Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is episode 10 of season 7, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. The Doctor places the TARDIS in a simplified mode so Clara can pilot it, just as a salvage ship catches it for scrap. Timing! Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey indeed. This episode is written by Stephen Thompson, directed by Matt King. It originally aired on the 27th of April, 2013, and was originally watched by 4.9 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hello, this is Auburn. Hey, this is Josh. Hi, this is Brian. Hello, this is Frank. Humanoid. Los Angeles, California. Kelsey. As Clara is piloting the TARDIS for the first time, a salvage ship picks up readings of valuable materials. They lock on a magno grab and capture the TARDIS, causing explosions to erupt in the console room, throwing the Doctor out of the TARDIS and Clara deeper within. The salvage team are unable to open it and plan to toss it back into space. Before they can, the Doctor regains consciousness and blames them for damaging his ship. Realizing Clara is still in the TARDIS, the Doctor tells them that they need to go in and find her, promising them the salvage of a lifetime. The Doctor, worried the longer it takes, the more chance there is of Clara dying, gives them one hour to find Clara. The Doctor locks them in and sets the TARDIS to self-destruct, persuading them to hurry. Even more gentle persuasion. Now it's 30 minutes. Clara wakes up in a damaged TARDIS corridor. She seems fine, except for a burn on her palm. Searching for a way out, she hears growling. She finds the room of requirement where Gallifrey 1 attendees would lose their minds. A growling creature starts to chase her. Clara realizes that she's in the TARDIS library and it puts bells to shame. There she finds the history of the Time War. Looking at some pages, she cryptically says, so that's who. The creature appears and she runs out, eventually reaching the empty console room. So it has a good premise. <laughs> Part of this reminded me of a discussion way back when in Star Trek, when Troy pilots a ship for the first time we see her and it crashes. It just, I remember at the time, it's like, sure, once the woman takes the helm, it's going to crash. <laughs> and a discussion then was also, sure, but if Riker got it, it's like, wow, he saved the ship from the total destruction, mm -hmm. is how you view it. <laughs> you know, so just... Well, speaking of ships, the uh, Van uh, Balen brothers' ship, it reminded me of the Sulaco from Aliens. Yeah. Just the way it was very um, long-wise, it looked like cargo. Uh -huh. Even they were reminiscent of the Alien and Aliens, this, the way they were dressed and oh, the yeah. locker room aspect and stuff. So I think it's, And then even, um, think about it, the whole episode with the creatures chasing them, they weren't very alien-like, yeah. but just the, the type of chase that it was through the tunnels and all that stuff. I think now, I didn't even think about it, but now that you mention it. But also the trucker working class type of space-ness of yeah. it, that's also aliens as well. I kind of like the little mention. They're like, what is what is that on the scanner? It's really small. Oh, it's an ex escape pod. Yeah. yeah. That was a that was a nice little making it real. And and the doctor with without the jacket with the vest and the sleeves rolled up, I kind of like what he looks like trying to help uh, Clara pilot the TARDIS. It just I don't know. I, I like it when they do certain things to their wardrobe, but it's still within the wardrobe. It's not like a completely new uh, costume. Right. I, I found his watch very distracting in this. Episode. Yes. Oh my yeah. Gosh, what I was up too. with that? Look at my grandfather's watch. <laughs> What's what's funny is that he's always had it, but it's covered by the long coat. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he always looks at it like this. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're right. Now I can picture that. But yeah, it just, just the the way that it was turned, you could only see the band, and so it was like, what is that a watch? Is it a bracelet? Like, yeah, it was. And it was yeah. so bright, it didn't really go with what he was wearing. It was very distracting. Yeah. So when when the um, TARDIS is crashed in the you know when they when they come and find it in their hangar or whatever you want to call it, it's on top of wires and scraps and all that stuff. I, I thought that that was stuff that was already there, but then it started to seem like like when the when the android was scanning it, uh, that that was the guts of the TARDIS kind of pouring out. Like it wasn't very clear 
because he was scanning it and he was looking at the wires underneath it and and then the doctor was underneath that stuff so i started to question what what the deal was with that well it's also how is the doctor exploded outside the tardis and clara's exploded inside right, right. In. so, so like, the fact that those wires are the guts of the tardis that makes more sense now why the doctor's also outside yeah that's what i started to think but then if but then the door's locked it just I, I, the whole thing the whole thing doesn't make much sense it's yeah. but that's why the magna lock or magna grab is outlawed and it's not good technology it yeah. messes up what you're doing but it's what they I, have because it's like they're scrapped so they're getting what they can and they'll break it down anyway yeah I, I the more i watched it i was under i am under the impression that a lot of what is in that section is the guts of the tardis part of the tardis yeah i think that's yeah. the best way to read it that's the most gracious way to read it maybe <laughs> yes for the, for the producer right. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very. It got put outside the TARDIS, which was part of hurting the TARDIS. That's why the Doctor was kind of thrown with that rift. And it, it like uh, one thing about this episode, it moves like it continues to like throw something new at you, so you don't mm -hmm. really get bored. Like, you know, <laughs> even though stuff is is happening quick, and it's kind of like, wait, why did that happen? And then why did that happen? It comes quick, quick enough that like you don't have time to think about it. But yeah, mm -hmm. in this moment with like the Doctor's Wicked Witch of the West legs sticking out from under the, <laughs> the TARDIS, I. I it, it was a cool sight gag, and then uh, the fun of the doctor interrupting their conversation was really funny. Oh, yeah, I that was that. funny. Yeah. When he's like, it's rude to whisper. <laughs> yeah. And there's good moments. There's like really good moments in this episode, but I think we all kind of agree like the whole does not equal the parts. Like they all come together yes. a little wonky. Uh, another good thing is that I enjoyed where the cold open stops and we have the opening title sequence because it's a very kind of grab you, catch you, and like, oh, I want to watch to see what happens where TARDIS explodes, cue the musical sting, and we get the opening sequence. Mm hmm. I just did not get the what I thought was a like flash bomb. Yeah. Clara picked up and then burns her. It's like it was so odd. I mean, they put it in there and you find out later why. But mm -hmm. it just seems like such an odd thing to have in that scene at that point. Because like yeah, I oh, was under the bomb impression is there. And it's like it's not. Well, go on, go on. It's not. No, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was I was just under the impression that that was something the scrappers threw in there to do whatever they were doing. Even though I was like, wait, door closed. And then we got back to them, and it didn't look so like you know. And then I, when I was confused, I just accepted the fact like, oh, I suppose we're supposed to be confused about all this. So I just accepted mm -hmm. the fact that I'll find out what it is later. And we did. And had it been a better episode, I think that would have been really cool. <laughs> I would have really liked that. Oh, okay. I think I'm in the minority that I enjoyed this episode. I mean, there's plenty of things that, that bug me about it, but um, one thing that in, in particular, since we're on the subject of <laughs> bugs us about it, was um, what Clara's running, the, the, the TARDIS crash. She doesn't know where she is. She, I mean, to a certain extent. Uh, she's running away from this monster. And then she's just casually walking around a museum. Uh, you know, and, and she even sees some things in one of those rooms and, and kind of chuckles at it. it. Like, the turn of, like, demeanor in in, um, in what's happening does not flow. I would do that. Uh, at all, yeah. But again, like, I don't know. I, I, well, I, have something, I have a question to ask you guys later at the end of this. <laughs> but um, I, I, I was enjoying it, and anything that was kind of less than, I felt, was equaled out by the entertaining parts of it. I agree with you that it didn't flow, but that's the part I really liked. <laughs> I liked seeing <laughs> the swimming pool, the library. Yeah. I, I loved all that stuff. I just didn't like her, the, you know, the direction they gave her and how it almost seemed like we're in a different episode. Like, right. uh, like she was something, oh, what are these? Like, it was almost like an Alice in Wonderland vibe mm -hmm. right off the back of, oh, I'm being chased by something that's trying to kill me. Oh, and it's still right. here. Oh, no, it's going to kill me. Oh. <laughs> I, I would have just... said to the creature, look, I don't mind dying in this room. Just give me half an hour. <laughs> you don't need to chase me. Just wait in the doorway. I'm yeah. good. And then no, your glass. I, I... And then you would have tripped. Your glasses fell. And you go, there was time. There was time. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, is this the way that, I hadn't seen this episode since I first watched it a number of years ago. So again, one of the many where I'm like, I've seen this before, what's happening? <laughs> um, but I was just kind of like, uh, okay, if she's not all that scared, does that mean something along the lines of what you said? Uh, you know, but I think it kept me confused enough that I was just like, well, like I said, like, well, we'll figure it out later. And then I just enjoyed what was there. Now, looking back on it, that was not their intention to confuse me. <laughs> uh, then not, not such a good job done. 
And I saw it differently because I was going, why would the TARDIS have a creature or monster in it? It made no sense to me. The TARDIS wouldn't have that, no matter how big it was. It was just, it's like, no. But for Clara, she ran and found this little safe haven pocket that she could wait for the enemy to go by or whatever, and then found, what was it, Amy's little TARDIS toy? I think, yes, I think it was Amy's. Cool. Yeah, that, well, and his, cri- and his, his crib. Cot. Um, Eugene, what else was in there that we might have missed? Well, yeah, that no, was the that, crib. That was it. When she's in the castle-like storage room, it's the the doctor's cot from when we saw in A Good Man Goes to War and Amy's homemade t- uh, TARDIS. And then she picks up an umbrella and it reminded and me of was, the seventh doctor, but it's not his. No, but it, I thought it was Clara's when she pulled down the ladder to go oh. to the TARDIS from Victoria and Clara. Okay. And the yeah, way she, she grabbed yeah. it and held it yeah. was like what other Clara did. Because she had like a, a a familiarity with it, she's like, huh. So that's was, that's where I got it. That's what yeah. I thought. The other thing I want to bring up that's was because we're calling about references to other things. Um, the eleventh Doctor here kind of strokes the TARDIS console when Clara insults it, and Rose and Sarah Jane in school reunion said that the doctor has a bad habit of stroking the TARDIS console. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole thing started because the TARDIS and Clara are fighting. They're not getting along. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One other reference that I wanted to bring up was in when she's first walking around the corridors, she comes up to that door and she's like, it's signaling red. Oh, that means there's something bad behind there. I wanted, I was like screaming at the TV going, no, it means there's something campy behind there. (laughs) There was danger, it'll be mauve. (laughs) <laughs> that's all the way from uh the doctor dances and the empty child yeah yeah and then one important thing is who wrote the book the history of the time war was that the tardis writing it because clara is able to find out information that nobody knows the doctor's name except for river well <laughs> yeah maybe true. river wrote I, didn't, it. I, didn't, I didn't go exclusively because i'm sure his parents knew right right <laughs> but it's just one thing that's like and kind of so glossed over it seemed quickly, so that's mm-hmm. who. All right. And I thought they'd, you know, embellish that a bit more. I was just expecting a little bit more from that, but I thought it was okay how they played it out. Uh, I would have liked it if the writing on the book was in the Gallifreyan circle spheres, and then well, it morphed into English because the TARDIS is translating. I took that as that is what happened. We yeah. just see the second half of it. I, I just took- would have, yeah. Well, I took that as the Gallif- um the Gallif friends wouldn't have written that book because they were wiped out in the Time War. And I figured oh. that at some point, the Doctor ran across the his- this book and picked it up and put it in there. I mean, this is jumping ahead a lot, or not a lot, half a season. Probably the, the, the War Doctor might have written it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that could be. Can you I imagine how convoluted that plot would be? <laughs> Start at the beginning, which I mean is the end. <laughs> I think the more I watched this episode, I, I liked it better the second time, even though it's still not like my favorite. Um, but I think it does get better. Like some of those things that are a little bit wonky, you're like, okay, I can forgive you for that. I can forgive you for that. Knowing, really knowing the ending, but. Yeah, it just, there's a lot of really interesting ideas, really cool things. Um, I'll, I'll say the thing I hated the most was that's the design for a monster, like a burnt person. And I and think then you that find, it, and then you find out why, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But y- y- you know, again, like it's just, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a salad that wasn't finished being put together. And I felt that it turns out on the day that the costumes and makeup were so bad that they had to do it with the everything was blurry, everything was jerky, so that you never really get a good because there was one time where you could like really get a good look at a close up, and you could see the neck was all like folded from mm. the. And it was like, oh, okay. So it's like they're trying to cover bad materials with these camera angles. Yeah. It reminded me of Pompeii. No. Yeah. Avilia. It's like, yeah. are they involved? Or it just seemed. Which makes sense at the end. It does. It does. Hmm. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of interesting things going on. Again, it's just whatever. I was going to say, these monsters remind me of Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Mm. Like that at the end. Oh. I don't no know if you. Spoilers! I didn't see. It's like what fifteen-year <laughs> movie. It's it's only it's only two thousand seven. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh dies. She does. Really? Because it is the biggest spoiler to the whole movie. Like it's the third act. Never mind then. Well, people listening may not have seen. Okay, spoilers! If you haven't seen Sunshine, pause. Go watch that. Uh, I'm sorry, you have to watch the last act. 
to get Best this. Forward about <laughs> a minute. The monster in that is also kind of a person who's been mutated by solar radiation. So it makes sense, but they do the same thing with the camera also being kind of out of focus and um so I don't know if it was an homage to that to Danny Boyle because they he's a British director. Um or if there's something in the British psyche that's that's what i was going to ask if there's a common thing that's like people being burnt by the sun do they just get really bad sunburns or was there something <laughs> there in there people. yeah or was it like uh, uh related to one of the wars where there was like um people got scarred up by mu mustard gas or something i don't know i'm asking hmm. if you guys know if there's something in their history the only thing i can think of is that it's usually not so sunny over there so sun to them is not great Deadly. okay yeah and and i i am one of the few that likes sunshine even that third act but talking about sunshine it actually fits that movie because of the the solar portions of it like the blurriness goes with that as opposed to this where it could kind of relate to something later yeah i don't know um, so when Clara makes it to the console room, we see that the exit doors aren't the police box doors. I really enjoyed that. And when she's pounding on it, these like slab marble stones, like I believe that that is very solid. It's not only the sound design, but the set doesn't move like it would in like a yeah. classic Who. So well done with the production team on that. I even think all those hallway scenes are also really good. Like they're closing doors and she yeah. backs up against them. And mm -hmm. yeah, in a previous iteration, you would have seen like more swaying. Wobble. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't even notice. Yeah. So that's good for them. Yes. I yeah. do think the production design of this episode is, is really great. Oh, and speaking of production design, this is the new TARDIS console room. It was designed by Michael Pickwood. We've mentioned him. He's He was the art design, I think. Art designer started with uh, the Christmas Carol episode. I like his work. Real quick, I'll just say I do like the, the the geeking out of just a glimpse of what actually goes on underneath, like in the TARDIS. Just those ideas of just that it's you know it's twisty and turny, and and you don't really know where you're going, and the fact that the gravity it has its own gravity. There's a lot of TARDIS. Um, help me out here, like nerd explanation, um, <laughs> like uh, in in world uh, logic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, TARDIS in world. That's great. T -t TARDIS. There's a lot of TARDIS in world logic um, in this episode that you don't really always want because then it just becomes like self-indulging. But you can kind of retroactively understand past things, and then you have this idea of the possibilities. And then so in the future, when something very simple happens, it, ooh, uh, it comes with this whole backstory or understory. So I, I like that aspect. Of it. Yeah, for sure. Gregor scans and tells Brom to strip the console room for parts. He enters a room filled with glowing bulbs. Before he can cut one down, the doctor runs in and says the TARDIS won't like it. It's the architectural reconfiguration system, and it can make anything that you want. Gregor grabs a bulb and tries to leave, but the TARDIS is clever and uses spatial anomalies to trap them. Brom climbs underneath the console, but falls to the bottom of the shaft and is attacked by a creature. Gregor, Tricky, and the doctor are also attacked by creatures, but Gregor runs away. Tricky and the Doctor find themselves in the empty console room, but this room's an echo. The TARDIS is trying to protect them by keeping them in the safest place on the ship. Their echo room is crossing over with Clara's, and the Doctor realizes that she is nearby. The Doctor sonics the tech and pulls her into their room. Well, there's that that big geek out moment when Brom is taking apart the, the console. We get a bunch of voices overlapping. Yeah. Uh, uh, hmm. I, uh, this is what the internet said that they were. <laughs> Oh, okay. This is uh, Susan Foreman saying, I made up the name TARDIS from the initials, time and relative dimension in space from an unearthly child. The third doctor saying, the TARDIS is dimensionally transcendental. And his companion Joe asking, what does that mean from the episode or the serial colony in space? The 11th doc doctor saying, you sexy thing. Then Idris, the TARDIS in human form replying, see, you do call me that. Is that it? Is it my name? Followed by the doctor's exclamation of, you bet it's your name from the doctor's wife. The fourth doctor saying that's trans-dimensional engineering, a key Time Lord discovery from the serial Robots of Death. The ninth doctor saying the assembled hordes of Genghis Khan couldn't get through that door and believe me, they've tried from the episode Rose. Martha Jones saying it's just a box with that room crammed in from the episode Smith and Jones. Amy saying we're in space 
from the episode The Beast Below. Ian Chesterton asking, a thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere in time and space from the episode An Unearthly Child. And then the fifth doctor asking, you've changed the desktop, haven't you? From the special time crash. So a a companion nicknamed the acronym? Yeah, Susan did in the, the first episode. Well, she's a Time Lord. Oh, okay. And then all of Time Lord society said, yeah, that sounds good, that thing that that girl came up with. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. It was the first episode in 1963. From- that that line makes no sense in continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anymore. But, but that leaking of voices, I like how it's later explained that the TARDIS is leaking the past and the future. So I was like, ooh, that's a visual cue of what's going on. And then we see yeah. it's going to happen uh, physically and visually later. Or, sorry, that's yeah. an audio, audio cue of what's going on. Which I only picked up a few of them. It was hard yeah. to try and dissect what was all being said, but I got the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I went back a couple times, but then, you know, researching it, I was like, <laughs> i got to find out what's there. <laughs> oh, good. Someone else already did the work, because I can't <laughs> yeah. hear it that well. No, it's very good. I actually thought the same thing. I was just like, oh, I was about to rewind, and I was just like, I don't have the energy to figure that out. <laughs> Besides, Eugene will probably research it. So underneath the console will where Brom falls. We've never seen that. So is that altered or changed? I'd like to say it's altered. It's like, is it is the TARDIS is doing that and going getting them somewhere different? With the, the glowy vine things? Like, I'm not uh, No, when he's under the TARDIS, when it's underneath, we've seen that with other TARDIS where even like the ninth and 10th, they just have that grate and then there's stuff underneath. He pulls up that grate and now there's a long... That's what makes me think it's the TARDIS doing this as a self-defense mechanism because of all the other corridors that the TARDIS is adding and the echo. Right. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that these scrappers aren't wearing gloves. Like, I, yeah. I think that would be your first uh, personal protective equipment if you're going onto <laughs> an alien ship where there's a fuel leak, but they had the or, respirators. Or using something else to not touch it physically. Yeah. Like, again, going back to aliens, a power loader would make more sense. <laughs> Well, he wasn't going to go down the ladder on a power loader. Like, that's what, like, yeah. he was going down the ladder and hit something. His shoulder hit uh, that yeah. little vine. No, 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 his no. hand, uh, there was, like, goop on the ladder. And oh, he touched okay. it. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. No, there, see, there's lots of little parts in this, this episode where they need to move somebody somewhere, and it's, like, what can we do to do that? Like, he could have easily have gone down the ladder and been fine, but they were like, no, he needs to injure himself, so there's goop on the ladder and, he, and but I it doesn't make sense goop. i miss the goop completely. well i think the goop i think the goop is is fuel well yeah he, mm. he that's how he falls he's going down the ladder and then his hand burned and originally i thought so the ladder's hot why is that part of the ladder hot but then i looked at it and it, there was like goop on it and then then i ascertained that it was fuel like the fuels whatever the thing you know so then he falls um but at the same time he could like you said Aubrey, he could have just gotten down there and then the monster's there like there's no yeah. re- reason for him to fall aside from just making it seem more dangerous and, and it is but then you know i'm starting to think now like kn- knowing the end of who these monsters are why are they like trying to kill them but like like or eat them or whatever it is like this the motivation never really gets resolved yeah i know I can geek think my way into um, coming up with an explanation why they're trying to get them, but it doesn't it doesn't correlate with um, their behavior of like I'm gonna get you, you know. It's just it was it was too Universal monster like. Mm. But for me, I was totally wrong. Thank you guys for this because I did not see the goop at all. So I thought he when he moved back from the ladder, his back was hitting the. That's what I thought. Finding power source. And yeah, that was burning not... him, which made him fall. Yeah. Yeah, I missed I was looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. I guess. So. Well, yeah, oh, so you, you were looking at the very bright thing amongst the rest of the dark frame, like <laughs> and his back, over which was touching yeah. that stuff. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You were yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of other things that are cool about or that we see about the, the TARDIS concept. Like, th- that's that's another thing I like about this episode. Not only do we see more of the console room, like the lower part, whether that is real or not, we see more of the TARDIS and sort of the, I don't know if it's the heart, but it's, um, the Doctor is very protective of this area with the glowing orbs that almost looks, to me, it's like techno-organic with the cables looking like vines or roots of a tree. And, and I like how it is techno-organic because the TARDIS is a live thing, but yet it's also a machine. Mm. And the Doctor explaining to Gregor, I, I believe, 
-hmm. It's a yeah. architectural reconfiguration system. It reconstructs particles according to your needs. And he says, a machine that makes machines? I just think that that's really cool way of describing it. And it almost made me think of that's how the chameleon circuit works, except it doesn't work on this TARDIS. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, you've got this fantastic thing that makes anything that you want. I wish one of them would have been like a little cracked or burned out. And then and, I was like, that, okay, yeah. that's the TARDIS's chameleon circuit. And he, and he, he said, um, I've been meaning to replace that for eons now. Yeah, but <laughs> I kind of like it now, you know? That's what I always thought about that. Yeah. And also had the well, Gallifrey writing on each orb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I like that room, but after seeing what they did to the swimming pool and library, for this to be one of the main functions of a TARDIS seemed an awful small room. So it's like, oh yeah, we have a set. We have to build this one. It can't be something we project that she's just looking at. And it just seemed- But that's kind of little... appropriate, don't you think? What? It's kind of appropriate. To me, it just seemed a little anticlimactic to be something. We've seen all this grandeur with the library and everything, and now this is just, no, now we're back on a small set. It just To me, it just seemed a little bit not continuing with what the target as well. Well, I, you know, I kind of take that in the way of it's not turning that room into anything, whereas the other rooms are the machine making a machine, the machine making a, 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 a grand pool room, a grand library. This isn't being turned into anything. It's just the engine room. So okay. it, 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 okay. that's kind of, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it before, but because no one's going to go, let's go to the engine room. They're like, I want to go to the swimming pool. I want to go to the, the library. I want to go to this. The engine room is, since especially if it's so fragile, you're not going to want people going there. I like it. I learned from you. <laughs> I, also, I also like that they built enough of it that they could shoot in it practically, you know, with the glowing mm. orbs, right. like Matt Smith was able to be next to one and touch one. And that was pretty cool with uh, like being able to take the orb and putting it into a bag, even though it was like obviously like very much stuck in the bag, like it wasn't going to fall out, but it looked like it would <laughs> fall out. But yeah, that room is, is really cool. I was getting a little bit of an avatar vibe, of course, with the tree yeah. and the glowiness. Yep. So did I. Yeah. The Awa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think this episode just took a little bit a from as from what it could. Yeah, yeah. From everything. Yeah. Suck it all together. Also, I, I the, the, the device that the identification device, the magic like scanner device. I know a lot of shows do that where like you have this thing that's like scientific and then it starts taking editorial, like, <laughs> you know, editorializing. <laughs> the facts like oh this is everything that you could ever possibly want like yeah those are fun they're a little quirky but yeah i guess for it's like uh the the set the the quote that i always misquote like any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic like magic, yeah 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 that that laser saw on the tardis and they have like <laughs> the flames coming out from the tardis doors like yeah. that was really cool and a, a good yeah, mix yeah. of like their cg and practical yeah, yeah. They knew they knew how to shoot that because that's a saw. They just removed the blade and inserted. A, I, I, I want to say maybe lights to indicate where the laser would go, but that might be too far. Oh yeah, I wonder yeah. even if it was like pen lights in there. So then yeah, the, that's what I was the thinking. Effect, the special effects people had something to go by. Yeah, like a reference. But please yes, do but not laser saw or sledgehammer the TARDIS. <laughs> when they were doing that, it just it hurt me. Oh, I know. Oh, the I TARDIS know. TARDIS isn't big. Stop it. I I had a visceral reaction to them trying to get into the TARDIS, and then I had a visceral reaction to when he was taking apart the console. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even even when he took that bulb, I was like, oh, like I felt. <laughs> oh, uh, sure. what, what, sorry. While we were talking, it made me think of the earlier discussion of like, why is that engine room with the vines so small? Maybe it's not that small because of the door that they the TARDIS puts or the TARDIS removes that door. So that room could be really big. It's just that it decided to make that room look small. Almost like, hey, get out of here. There's no room for you in here. Yeah. And behind that door is everything. Right. I like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. sure, that's not the salvage of a lifetime. Clara is. <laughs> I thought he was about to say the salvage of a lifetime is your life because mm -hmm. we're going to explode. Um, but then he turned it into something uh, flowery that I, 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 that I didn't like. I kind of like it because that's the doctor, what's important to him. It's the most right. important thing to everybody. Kind of right, to him. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I know I was. Going with that. 
With Clara back, Gregor demands the self-destruct be cancelled. The doctor playfully tells them there is no self-destruct, but finds the engine is damaged, and they are all in mortal danger. They journey to the center of the TARDIS to fix it. The creatures are getting closer and Clara winds up separated from the doctor. Her hand hurts and now she sees that burnt writing is appearing on her palm. More creatures, more time echoes, more running, and she meets up with the doctor. Big spiky metal beams shoot out of the walls, making an obstacle course that they must run through. Unfortunately, Tricky has been speared by one. He tells Gregor to cut it out of him. He's an android. He'll just get replacement parts. The doctor tells Gregor to tell Tricky the secret. He is not an android. He is their brother. Losing his memory in an accident, the two brothers decided to build the android story. As you know, a joke. Tricky is human. They cut through the metal and run to the power source. The doctor checks to see if it's safe. It isn't. Creatures are coming from the other side. Creatures are also coming from behind them. They are trapped on the walkway next to the Eye of Harmony, a really cool looking star decaying into a black hole. Clara yells at the doctor to tell her what the creatures are. Gregor's scanner reads one of the creatures as Clara. The creatures are all of them from the future, altered by the time rift. The doctor says he brought Clara here to keep her safe, but she died. Clara died again? Again? Again. <laughs> Clara died again. I did like when Clara came back into the console, heard the doctor's banter and picked up, and Clara was just like, we got to figure this out. But she's like, fine, I'll hit you now. We'll deal with this. But she was there. She was present with what was going on. It's yeah. just, they make a great team. I yeah. really like them. And her line of story writing 101, heroes don't have zombies <laughs> right. in a basement or something. <laughs> I'm glad she picked up what I said. Why are there kind of monsters yeah. inside the TARDIS? That makes no sense. Yeah. And then the doctor's explanation of this echo in the rift, he says that they're in the same space in the console room. It's it's like a light switch, two positions. It reminded me of uh, the edge of destruction again with the lights, the switch. It's just stuck. Right. <laughs> They've played with that idea of, of ghosts and you know and things you know in um, uh, in different movies and stories about there being the two things happening on different planes at the same time. So I, I really like that tech about it and stuff. Um, I also, it took me a little bit when they started to reveal exactly what was going on with, um, you know, the android character being the brother, like, so they did that to him and what, like, what are they talking about? And this, that, and the other. And when I finally figured it out, I, I did really enjoy that, that B plot, you know, that of humanity. What, um, what I kind of felt like they missed is the doctor didn't really, usually the doctor clues into that uh you know human story of the of a b plot and it becomes more central to to everything in, in this episode it really just is secondary to everything else happening it didn't it didn't weave in but i'm surprised it wasn't woven in more yeah they could have focused on it like you mentioned yeah when i was a little kid my brothers told me that i was a robot controlled from city hall so this uh this <laughs> plot line gave me the warm fuzz at home wow. <laughs> for those listeners or whatever who were like myself at first who didn't realize they he didn't just get amnesia he was severely injured and the biomechanics they gave him were also to save his life he just happened at, and then they were like oh why don't we just tell he can't even remember who he is we're bored as hell so you're our android that's funny to do to my to our to our little brother why was this one brother such a jerk and the other ones were actually kind of nice and they said really great things about their father yeah. the i don't know um, i don't know why but i completely bought into that storyline yeah <laughs> i think what bothers me is just that it is it is something that yes young kids do and i guess as an adult now i'm like oh that's such a terrible thing to do to your brother but oh yeah, yeah. What's, what's your point but, I mean, and it's also and a difference between psychologically damaging and physically, like, making them. Again, what's your point? Brian's okay. He owns a I call that yeah. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things here because we didn't know how long that they've been doing this. This could have been, sure. like, last week. Yes. That's the problem. Oh, it's that. a terrible, awful, awful, horrible, horrible oh, yeah. thing. So but that's what people do. Is Brom not an android as well? None of them are androids. They're all no. humans. But Brom is 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 a human all the way. He never thought he was an android. Yeah, the two. Wait a minute. Which one is the which one is the? the Brom was the big guy. Brom was the big guy who fell off the ladder. And he did now. Yes, I thought he was an android as well. (laughs) Where did you get that from? But like, but like, but like for real android. No, he was. 
the firstborn from and so he was the golden child so he had that whole thing going and tricky was the youngest and brightest and smartest <laughs> and so Gra gregor was like i'm the middle child syndrome yeah <laughs> middle child and also too at the end you know he said that you were the smartest dad actually made you the captain right so like the, the youngest child was the captain so now the captain has amnesia now doesn't know he's in charge so of course the middle brother's gonna you know take the reins and i think the business would have been called van balen and sons mm -hmm. yeah. like they updated their their corporate stuff pretty quick or it could have been his uncles and their father. Sure. Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, there you go. There's so much backstory that they didn't give us. <laughs> <laughs> and this time, I really don't think it's needed in the story. No, no, no. no. I think we need. I think we need a prequel. <laughs> no. Where's the big finish audio? <laughs> <laughs> This show just throws out so much information. And again, that's why these episodes are fun to rewatch because, um, uh, you know, you don't catch a lot of stuff that first time. Sure. Switching to the doctor fooling them with the self-destruct. I like his explanation. I just wiggled a few buttons, yeah? The old wiggly button trick. And the face. You got to do the face. Save her or we all die. <laughs> I thought I rushed it a bit, but... <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just love the range that Matt Smith delivers in that 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 exchange. Yeah. And then this I looked this up. This isn't the first time that the doctor has forced others into helping him by a looming threat of blowing up the TARDIS. He did it in a Attack of the Cybermen and Victory of the Daleks. He, he threatened to blow it up with the jammy dodger. Mm. What did you guys think of the spikes in the TARDIS? I thought I thought of Galaxy Quest. Exactly. Galaxy Quest. Yeah. yeah. Why would Who they would build write this? this? Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of it sort of exploding and things sort of like popping and but not like a spike. A, 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 you, you know, uh, identical spikes. That didn't make sense. Like if the pipes yeah. were bursting, it would be a bursting pipe, not like a, a straight pipe shooting out well, like a spear. I think they were fuel rods and whatever was above them that was empty of fuel now. Yeah, she did mention that. But it doesn't make any sense. No. I was just like... Yeah. Well, and it also does that that TV and movie trope where, oh, these scary things are going off. We're running from these spiky things. It's going to kill us. It's going to kill us. And now we're. this is the moment where we have the dramatic moment. We need to do the exposition and we need to do the thing with Tricky. So no more spears bursting through the walls while we're trying. Right, to. right. Yeah, that was the last one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And those things were big. It's like he should have died from that. The way it looked. It's like that's too close to the heart. Wait a minute. Speaking yeah. of tropes, <laughs> I, I was expecting Tricky to go, I was this close to retirement. <laughs> <laughs> If this was like, if this was first season or something like that, he would have died. He would have died right then and there. And then the second brother, you know, they, they would have told him he was human and then he would have died. And then this, this brother would have had to live with that guilt and stuff like that. Yeah, that's very fascinating. I, I like that because if that would have happened earlier, we would have had more character development. Yeah. 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 Well, since we're being you know, a little bit petty on some of this. A little bit. Did anybody... <laughs> get bugged by how Clara blows on her hand. Yes. Yeah. It just, it's like, Jenna's good. I like her. I like, but the blowing on the hand just seemed not, oh, I don't know. I have a feeling a lot of the, like some things may have been second unit directed and that director may not really have been aware of what the, the main director was going to do with the juxtaposed scenes around it. Director gets that footage back and says, no, this isn't gonna match. This isn't gonna <laughs> feel right, you know, um, but while well, it's shot and we don't have any more money. So th there's a lot of other things like that can happen. So like I chalk it up to that, that there was miscommunication in direction. It could have also <laughs> been something stupid like whoever's idea was to, to the effects were made of powder that if she really blew on it, they would have like just blown off. Oh, that's good. Good point. Well, speaking of petty things, I thought it was weird that Jenna's back was completely turned to us in the console room once they once the doctor was telling Gregor that this is a, a ruse with the self-destruct. She completely has her back turned. Yeah. And it felt like just odd, like that could have been even a stand-in, but it wasn't. You know what was another weird section with her was when was it Gregor and Tricky were having their conversation and they kept cutting to reaction shots of her like she was listening to them, mm -hmm. but but they weren't emotionally connected. So I didn't know what I was supposed to infer from her reactions. Like I didn't know what emotion I was supposed to be getting from her. It felt like, yes, something was shot, not quite connected, but they were cut and together. They just said B-roll. Yeah. You yeah. know, they made 
you know, the way filmmaking is, there may have been a lot of rewrites for this or the other, and someone somewhere was like, you know what? Just get as much B-roll of Jenna listening as possible. We yeah. can always cut to her, you know, and then and then switch things around. You know, but it's this, I was, I, yeah, it's a super private conversation between the two brothers, like the their guts on the floor, kind of like you know, and Jenna's there, like, is she being awkwardly there? Like, yes, yes I know, it's it's that's, like that's what I or, took it as. She she was trying not to be there. Yeah. That's why she kept like looking away. Cause I mean, I do that. But, but in a show, I feel like she didn't have any dialogue addressing it. And like right. a Rose or a Martha or uh, any other companion, you know, if they're in the scene, they should say something like, yeah. As, as a filmmaker, I just can't help but think like they probably rewrote that B story because it wasn't working. And those shots of Clara were from the original takes where it wasn't all that emotional. And she, and she was probably reacting to the way it was written at first. Then they reshot the stuff with the brothers. But so should we reshot Jenna? No, she's on the other episode. Plus, we have what we need. We just need to cut to her listening. Mm-hmm. So I also got it that Clara is thinking more of the big picture. It's like not their monster chasing them. Yes, and because when they get into the Aya Harmony area, you know, she's telling the doctor, what are these creatures? She just, you know, kind of that Martha feeling of, you know, no, we're stopping now. You tell me what this is. What are you hiding? She knows he's hiding something about it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought the Eye of Harmony. That looked great. I think that's the first time we've seen it that way. That was fantastic. Yeah. And all of that went into Rose. You could have just, just put, <laughs> yeah. For me, you could have just shown that on the screen for the 45 minutes of the episode and it would have been an improvement. I love the column going in yeah. <laughs> to the distance. Uh, that That's cool. The Eye of Harmony was first mentioned in The Deadly Assassin, which is a classic episode we did. I don't know, I just always liked that and it was featured in the TV movie. Yeah. Clara and the Doctor watch Gregor and Tricky turn into the creature and they run into the engine room. It appears as a rocky cliff face. Frustrated, the doctor asks Clara who she is. He tells her the history of the impossible girl, but Clara really has no idea what he's talking about. He is happy that Clara is just Clara, and at that moment realizes that the TARDIS is trying to protect herself, and they need to jump off the cliff, cross the chasm, and land in the engine room. They jump and arrive in the heart of the TARDIS. The engine has already exploded, and pieces are frozen in time. Clara takes the doctor's hand to comfort him, and he gets a good look at it. The music swells, telling us that he has the answer. The burned words on her palms say big friendly button. Finding the time rift leading back to the moment of the explosion, he burns the words onto the magnograph remote. Poking his head through the rift, he shouts to himself about resetting time. The remote rolls to Clara as before. She picks it up, is burned, and drops the remote. But the doctor catches it this time and reads big friendly button on the side, gives a little laugh, and activates the remote. The salvage ship picks up a reading of potential valuable materials but it disappears as quickly as it appeared. On board, two brothers bicker over the treatment of the android. Shouldn't we just play nice? On the TARDIS, Clara admits to being exhausted but not knowing why. The doctor spouts some gibberish and then asks if she feels safe. Why, she asks. Because anything can happen. That's what she's counting on. I like that exploded view. It reminded me of the Matrix, mm-hmm. the white room. Mm-hmm. With no curtains. Oh. I screwed that line up. Never mind. Edit that out. Nope. Leaving that in. Crickets. I'm going to answer crickets. Again, I liked the scene between Clara and the doctor about her not knowing what he's talking about while they're in the Eye of Harmony. He's like, you died. I've met you twice other times that you died. She's like, what is going on? And then when they go to the other cliff, you know, I thought she was great going, now I'm kind of scared of you. Now I don't know what is going on. You know, she still trusts them, but it's like, you're going nuts. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. And then they use Geronimo again as an exclamation for like jumping. Yes. Which is how it was originally used. I also like the way he says it. Mm-hmm. It's not Geronimo. It's uh, Geronimo. <laughs> And that he does see that she is honest and not a trap. She's not a trick. Someone's not using yeah. it. It's like she in this part is innocent of you know not knowing it. Again, the the, the pace is just really quick. At the end here, you know they they murder or they they kill off the two brothers, and then instantly they're on this cliff face, and then almost just as instantly they're in the white room. So 
I think um, that helps this episode, how quickly it goes. Like we've said before, you don't have time to think about anything along the way. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, the cliff the cliff was fun. And I mean, the whole mm -hmm. episode looks so good. Uh, Eugene, do you know any information like on the budget or, or anything? Like, was it more or less than usual? Because I've been trying to figure it out. I can't tell. I do not have any info on the budget. But yes, it looks like they spent a lot of money on it. Right, it looks like it, but that's why I'm wondering if it's just because they like got everything out of storage and you know all like the old sets and cribs and props. I also think they save money because this is a small cast compared to mm -hmm. the next episode. That's true. And you also don't know too, like a lot of those hallways may have been the same oh, elements yeah. of sets that's that true. Are dressed oh, differently. I'm sure they were. You know, things like yeah. that. Oh yeah, I'm sure they were exactly used over and over again. Yeah. And if it is one of those episodes, again, I don't know, you know, Eugene would maybe would know more, like if, if, if it wasn't shot consecutively and they kind of shot it over time, sometimes, because it was so modular, a lot of these uh, scenes, it, it, you know, hey, that library scene, throw that on this episode's budget. Mm -hmm. You know, this, 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 you know, they kind of like some, I know when I worked on other shows, they weren't supposed to, but did that, like, they kind of spread the, but well, we're a little under budget on this episode, so we can give this episode money, that sort of thing. So that they could have also done that with with a, with a shooting schedule or, or, or budget. Well, I don't know how accurate this is, but it's saying production-wise, this was filmed right after The Snowman. So they probably had more of the budget intact for this episode. This is shot after The Snowman? That, it's, that's what it says. So it that says could be the umbrella. I mean, that's that the way be. that they're doing it. If they're shooting in the, their own time. Yeah, that umbrella like was really expensive, so they got to use it twice. No, no, I'm not talking about the expense. <laughs> I'm just talking about some of the stuff of the uh, banter between them because they had just yeah. shot that other yeah. scene and the umbrella because it's like that's what they had on hand and they mm -hmm. put that in there as a memory. So Another thing I... here. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> Another reference to the deadly assassin is that the doctor comments that the Time Lords have dreadful hats. Mm. And bad fashion yeah, sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the first televised story to include the word TARDIS in the title. Oh, oh really? Interesting. Brian and I had a discussion yesterday when we were watching the episode about why the picture changed from the beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah, I thought the same. I what picture? picture of the brothers the, of, at the beginning of the episode there's a picture of the three brothers on the wall and then at the end of the episode it's the three brothers with their father yep. i so don't understand like, that i think at the beginning it's two brothers with their father and then at the end uh... the third brother is unfolded i think if you look again like the, that tricky is like kind of off to the left side i think oh so it's just folded it's the same photo just more exposed yeah so it's okay josh rewind go to the front <laughs> see if there's three people uh, I'm, I'm going there now <laughs> okay. but again why would it be folded differently in this timeline but my point is, why in the opening of the show, it's folded, and at the end of the show, it's not folded, but they're at the same point in time? Auburn had a similar question. He was like, why is the brother, why is Gregor, you know, trying to be nice to him? And I said, because he remembers. The doctor said on the burning bridge, or not on the burning bridge, but whatever that bridge With the is, spikes. With the, with the, spikes. Yeah, with the spikes, you're right. Uh, and he said, remember this. And so when um. time, time got reset, Gregor remembered that he did in a the different feeling. alternate timeline, you know, yeah, he, the, the feeling, feeling of the feeling of like not being comfortable with tricking his brother. Because uh, also the one line with that, he found the one spot of decency in this person. Because yeah. mm. Gregor yeah, so says that after, maybe I just found my spot of decency. That's why we're not going to trick him anymore. Yeah, that photo in the beginning is definitely of the dad. Okay, so I'm looking at the photo. It's the dad, the two brothers, and Tricky is torn off. Oh, torn off. Oh. Yeah, but I felt that they should have focused on maybe the dad, so you knew that that is not one of these people that is still alive. Right. Because it's, it's clearly an older guy. Another reason it should have been Van Balen and Sons, because that would have yep. set up that, yep. you know, you would have expected like, oh, these are the sons, where's the dad in right. the photo? Unless right. unless the dad originally had this company with his brother. Like I said, yeah. Yeah, that's what we said. But I'd say for story, it would have helped clarify that Agreed, this totally. other person was a father, not- so, Right. We now, we now know our next yeah. uh, fan fiction volume. <laughs> yeah. 
I think they were trying to go for some sort of Back to the Future thing. They did the same thing with the burned, Clara's burned hand, where at mm-hmm. first you couldn't read it, and then as the episode went along, it became clearer and clearer. Yeah. But it Clara just doesn't, doesn't come across. It just... No. It's yeah. kind of sloppy. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, when we watched it last night, and they showed the picture of the whole family, I didn't even remember they showed a picture at the beginning of the episode. No, it wasn't focused. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, Frank pointed it out. And it was like, what are you talking about? And then that just opened up the can of worms of, that doesn't make any sense. I was waiting for an explanation of like, the monsters aren't trying to kill us. They're trying to get to us so they can you know like fix time so they can you know they're reaching out for help but it seems like you know they're trying to reach out and kill us um or because i thought they really glossed over the fact of that um of that plot point uh because again i love oh like these are us from the this is us from the future dead but are possible dead this said i love all that stuff but they kind of just quickly glossed over yeah. it and uh i, I would have liked more because uh, yeah. again I, i'm still left with then why were they why were they trying to kill us Maybe yeah, they weren't. I agree. I and agree. this is this is a little this is kind of a harsh criticism. But yesterday when we were watching this, and again, like I said, there's a lot in this, and Auburn was feeling the same thing. And Auburn was like, "What was this writer on?" And I was like, and 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 I had an answer, which is kind of harsh. And I said, "He was on a deadline." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what happened. Yes. And that's how and that's how it feels yeah. because like nothing, like I said, nothing gets solved. It just right. changes. Yeah. That's and again, and again, perfect. they could have recorded, they could have recorded, they could have filmed him saying, you know, they weren't trying to kill us, they were reaching out for help, but we we are 30 seconds over, what lines can we cut and still have the plot? I mean, who knows? And they could have been trying to kill them, because if they killed them in the past, they wouldn't have to go through what they're going through. Oh, I like that even better. <laughs> I like that even better. Yeah, I, I think that was the main thing about this for me is that that is an unresolved plot thread. It's very unclear of what the motivation for them being so menacing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, again, like you guys keep saying, they just had the scare factor. Yeah, yeah. style over substance. Mm-hmm. And we also talked about this being at least minimum the third time this has happened. Yeah. Well, what we're watching the, the second time. This whole episode was at least the second time because the doctor the first time threw the remote to release the grab lock or whatever, the mag- magno. Anyway, you know, so that he had thrown in. So he'd already gone through it once. So just sort of, how many times has this happened? <laughs> and that's what I love about time travel shows and movies is the paradox of chicken and the egg, like which happened first, like this happened first right. because he did it, which happened first because he did it, which happened first. So um, I, it, does it keep happening, you know, for, for eon, you know, in, infinite amount right. of time? But it just seemed again, like one of the, it's just that episode that a lot of science fiction does where nothing happened. The end of the episode and the beginning of the episode, the whole episode gives you taken out yeah. and everything's the same, except for yeah, this one, the guy's gonna tell him he's an android. That's the big difference. <laughs> well, also- <laughs> Not but, an android, I should say. So I'm having trouble recalling, do the doctor and Clara remember this incident because they are part of the time continuum now or? Uh, I, can't I, how it I take it as the doctor remembers and Clara does. Right, Clara does not, because she said she's exhausted, has no idea why. And has no they idea had... why. I, oh, yeah, I, you've had two, you had blank days shoved into one day. That's right. why you're exhausted. So she knows that it happened, but she can't quite remember. Or, or pieces of it, like like the brothers, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think she remembers any of it. She doesn't remember okay. the doctor's name. She doesn't remember. Oh, I guess she doesn't right. remember the discussion. Of him right. So he just, t- so he basically just told her, "Hey, this thing happened," and left out the important parts. Right. Or only told her. Also, was she coming out of the pool or the shower or? Yeah, I, I figured that was what I got. I, like, there's a lot what? of mo- there's a lot of intimate moments between them, and you know, and I think her coming out of the shower and wringing out her hair with a towel is a very you know intimate type of relationship, friendship, whatever you want to call it. Well, on the second watching, I realized that as the doctor walks behind Clara, he's like wiping down the console with the rag. As he walks behind Claire, he slaps her with the rag on the butt, like mm-hmm. which is you know sure it's playful, and I'm not you know gonna hang him for that but but it's a different world we live in today it's flirty yeah i mean it's an interesting choice like you said to to start the episode with clara going to get piloting lessons and then to end it with her like just coming out of the shower or something like yeah i mean there are choices that somebody made and like they deserve to be inspected 
But Clara gets as much as she gives, you know, so I didn't see that as anything inappropriate in this in this case, because Clara has done it to him so many times of making him feel out of place mm -hmm. or being, you know, so it's like, to me, that was definitely a relationship between them. Yeah, because she's done that to, to yeah, she, she has behaved that way to him many times. And I even called it out, you know, before mm -hmm. on our show here that like, you know, she's overtly aggressively flirting with him, where if it was a man that would be called out. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, we find we find it kitschy and and funny when a woman does it, you know. But now things are evening out and stuff like that. A anything that they make a point to do is intentional. Her mm -hmm. coming out of the shower with her hair wet wasn't just like, oh, I don't know, she's coming out of the shower. Like, there's a reason why that that is, and I think it's, yeah, but it's it's just an odd reason. It just it wasn't. I don't think done as well, but mm -hmm. right. <laughs> it's like why do that? It just seemed why have her hair wet? It just seemed odd. While you guys were, were talking, I looked up the events of this and it says that Clara does remember what happened in this episode, in the episode, The Name of the Doctor, but she doesn't remember his name. Okay. Yeah, so who knows? So I, it's hard, to, like a series like this, you know, where we have to build to, like we're coming up on the 50th special, right? Or we're coming yeah. up on like a big special. Yes. So there's a lot to weave in. And then, like you say, you get some deadlines rushed, you get like some shooting schedules rushed or some budgets cut and like something gets, you know, it had to have some things in it maybe, but uh, yeah, definitely not a home run. <laughs> I did like her last line though, when he's asked, you know, um, are you, you feel safe and stuff? She goes, because anything can happen. Her delivery and stuff. Well, that's what I'm counting on. I loved it. It's like, that's our Clara. That's the Clara that we all like. Yeah. <laughs> At least myself. That's my Clara. No, I agree. <laughs> Re remind, remind me, does Clara have family in this? Like, does she have like a, a no, her parents are gone. Like, I'm just, I'm just thinking like the doctor, sometimes I'm, I'm uh, confused by his obsession with companion safety. Like, uh, I think I've seen it before with companions where sometimes he'll get into this, oh, I just want to make sure that you feel you're safe. But it's like, that's not really what he's offering right. to anybody. It's never safety. And like, I know he kind of deludes himself to think that it is, but... Maybe it's just a moment of guilt. Yeah. I think I've seen that before and before like with Rose, you could put it on Jackie. Like Jackie is going to add guilt if you do right. anything to like hurt Rose or if you let Rose get hurt. Where... Maybe... Maybe it's an element of romance, you know, when you, oh, yeah. you know, like, well, yeah, they're my friend, but you know, that's their life. But when you start to have feelings for someone, their safety becomes a priority to you. Yeah. It's just, it's also very funny in this episode, uh, cause in this, when the doctor was grilling her at the canyon before the engine room, I was also a little scared of the doctor at that point. Like it was borderline uh, abusive, you know? Mm. Like, yeah. I don't think it went there, but if this was a relationship that this conversation happened over and over and over, and then switch back to, I just want you to feel safe. I just want you to feel safe. Like, <laughs> you Yeah. So going through the cast, Ashley Walters plays Gregor Van Balen. He was Prince Kabbalah in Speed Racer, the live action movie. He's done a lot of UK TV. His first acting credit was in The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, My First Adventure, season one, episode one. That takes place in Tangiers in Egypt. Uh, Mark Oliver plays Bram Van Balen. Lots of UK TV work, uh, nothing I recognized. Javel Hall plays Tricky, and this was the last credited thing he's, he's done. Hmm. Sarah Louise Madison, Ruari Mears, and Paul Casey play the Time Zombies. Uh, we've we've uh, met Paul Casey at Gallifrey One, and Ruari Mears, we've mentioned before, lots of uh, monsters that he's done. What about and, the uh, the woman one, or, you know, the, yep. the Clara zombie? Getting there. Oh, sorry. And then uh, Sarah has previously been a weeping angel since the time of angels. So every time we've seen a weeping angel after the time of angels, she's been one of them. And she was also one of the Shan Sheath in the Sarah Jane adventures, along with Ruari Mears, who was also a Shan Sheath in that episode. And uh, he's also been a uh, cyber leaders and other things. So yeah, that's it. That's the cast for... <laughs> oh. Journeys to the center of the TARDIS. Who is this episode good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? Uh, so can Kelsey, I go first? Uh, yes. I, I, I really gotta use the restroom. So that solves can... that, because then Kelsey will go <laughs> next. Because <laughs> Kelsey was originally gonna go first. So go ahead, Josh. So uh, I'm gonna say, you guys have convinced me to say fan. 
because <laughs> I was uh, uh, I was gonna say casual because I think I felt this was a real uh, again I didn't remember much of what was going on and I was really into it the whole time I was a little confused and I have all these complaints that we were talking about but I really enjoyed it uh, it's a lot of weird fun stuff and tech stuff and things that I like timey wimey stuff uh, you got a sense of danger you got a sense of the cool stuff with the TARDIS um, they had some nice banter so I was gonna say either new or casual um, but seeing how you guys didn't like the episode as much i think you really got to be like forget uh, most people would probably have to be forgiving to enjoy a lot of the parts uh that that didn't quite work in this episode so i'm gonna say um uh i'm gonna say fan um i think the stuff that this episode is good for is uh gives us a better glimpse in, or a bigger glimpse into the tardis it adds a lot of um like with the tardis and the how many you know what kind of rooms there are the room of requirement and and all this stuff um uh that engine room with the bulbs and then like this idea that the tardis can like protect itself when it's exploding like that white room so because of that i'm gonna put this in the diehard category where like this episode gives the diehard fans just more um stuff to talk about and more stuff to like imagine um but i don't particularly think that this episode is like good for um anything other than that but i'm gonna go with fan because i think it's one that as you watch it you remember the good parts and you pick the good parts and i think you might fast forward through some of the others so but i'm gonna go for fan um, it depends on how you watch this episode. If you're just watching this episode to have a little bit of fun, it's fan. If you're going to pick it apart for a podcast, it's beyond diehard. <laughs> um, it's diehard with a vengeance. <laughs> it's diehard with a, what have I done with my life? Um, this episode, I feel, should be a classic. With all the stuff that we get in the TARDIS, more than we see in that's always just hinted at. This episode should be a classic. This episode should be beloved by fans and diehards. And it's just not good. It's just not well done. It's it's shoddily written. And I don't particularly like the direction. And there's too many questions of what's happening here, what's going on there, that we pointed out this whole time. So it kind of makes me kind of makes me a little angry um, because it has potential to be there. And like I said, if, if I could have the library and that shot of the Eye of Harmony for an hour, I'd be much happier than after watching this actual episode so for me it's die hard this is also another example of moffat's terrible um episode titles because this specifically says journey to the center of the tardis so you're already like oh my god this is great we're gonna see things in the tardis we've never seen before oh damn um so if it had been not not titled in such a way that you had that anticipation then maybe what we did see of the tardis would have been enough i mean i i think i agree with uh, a lot of what you all are saying um Yes, it is a shame that some of those, like seeing the pool, seeing that observatory, seeing all those different things is in this episode because yeah, it would be nice to have it in an episode that was more um, rewatchable. That being said, I think because um, the pace is quick enough on this that I, I didn't get bored you know watching it like i think it's it is watchable like you it's a fun watch because it is a ride you just don't think about it too much i'm gonna put it in the fan category as as opposed to the diehard but i i agree with what everyone else has said pretty much yeah i've only watched this episode once when it first broadcasted i was there live and i was like what is this I, I, very forgettable so i have to be a fan to go revisit it so I think that's where I'm leaning towards. I'll, I'll talk myself through it. And maybe I will talk myself out of it. <laughs> it's a diehard. But um, I do not remember liking this episode the first time I watched it. I remember being disappointed because of that episode title. It's like we're going to the, the, to the center of the TARDIS. I always think that this episode's title is for, I think, the name of the Doctor. Because somebody goes into the TARDIS. So that's what I think. So every time I want to find that episode... I go to this episode, I'm like, okay, this is not the episode I'm looking for. Move along. <laughs> <laughs> Rewatching it over the week, I had to find the things I liked about it. So I think you have to be a fan to kind of enjoy this episode because that dangling plot thread with uh, the time zombies, if you will, that really stuck out to me as a big hole that needed, like a plot hole. It really needed to come together at the end. But one thing I do like is when the doctor does go through the time rift to give himself the answer, it's another crack in the wall, but it's not the crack that we associate with Amy. Yeah. It's a vertical 
crack so that the doctor can physically go through as opposed to uh, lying down going through. So I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I enjoy that they did it differently. Uh, but yeah, I have to be a fan to go back and rewatch this because if, if I wasn't a fan, I would automatically skip this episode. So that wraps up the journey to the center of the TARDIS. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who New Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who New Podcast. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest-running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. If, um, if any of you, our listeners or you, yourselves are, fr- are, are friends, are fans of The Expanse, um, Adam Savage from Mythbusters has a series on YouTube because he, he had a couple cameos in The Expanse. And uh, they, he goes onto the set and they talk about how they jerry-rigged a lot of things for um, special effects that were literally just household items that they turned into practical effects that, uh, you know, repurposing them. It's instead of like going through the process of literally fabricating something from scratch, like, well, this thing exists, so we bought a thousand of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, hopefully they'll keep that, make... that sounds on. very in-universe for the Expanse, too. It, it does, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so then he said, um, uh, the guy said, hopefully they'll keep making them if, if the show keeps going. So I'm like, <laughs> who knew podcast is no way affiliated with Adam Savage. <laughs> <laughs>